You're listening to Several Ways to Live in Mexico City. This used to be a bi-weekly podcast about Mexican food and culture and life. Back in the day, every now and then, I, Florian Postzig, went to a new restaurant in Mexico City to meet my friend. Nick Farr. And talk about food. That's all we did, right? We talked we we talked about the things that you talk about when you're sharing a meal with friends in a country that is not the country you are from. Well well put. Well put. Do you know what we talked about uh, in the first uh, episode? I actually forget what did we talk about in the first episode? Can you where guess was the where first we episode? Met? Can you guess where we met? Were we at Quentin? Yes. Okay. I got that much. So we were talking about coffee, presumably. No, no, no. Uh, first episode was uh, you talking about uh, your, the disaster recovery work. Oh my you goodness. Did. That yes. was our first episode? Yes. Oh, wow. I thought we, we met before that. And I think we were planning on doing something before that. Yeah. We we must have met in June. That would be 2017. Uh, right? You look mm -hmm. yeah. Because the the um uh, I you know why I know the year of the earthquake? Why? Because I know that a year later we went back to Germany. Right. And that year, I know, because that is 2018, because that is four years after we went to Mexico, which was 2014. So that's why I, uh, that's how I remember when the earthquake was. Now, we, we met in, in uh, I think, in June, and then uh, we, we had planned something, and then the earthquake hit, and then it took, uh, I think, another two months until we, we uh, recorded our first episode. And I am very sure that that was at Quentin. And, um, yeah, I will listen to that sometime again, but not now. I should go back and listen to it at some time, but here we are. This is episode 31. Yes. Wow. We, we have something planned. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't happen often that we make plans like more than 20 minutes before we start recording. But uh, we we usually we used to discuss our drafts ahead of time. We used to have a plan for a draft that we would think about right up, then forget about when we actually went to meet and record and then remember maybe 70 50 to 75% of the draft that we originally thought of back when. You know you know how the drafts went. Um we discussed the topic of the draft. You forgot about the topic of the draft. I make, uh, I made meticulous notes. You know, I made, I, I prepared my draft board, and you winged it. And m most of the time, you won the draft. True, true. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we really had winners per se. It, I, I think, it, it really depended on how many people were listening at the time and what they were thinking. 
let's get to our topic. We um, should. Um, we we have mentioned this uh, thing uh, multiple times because you just keep mentioning it every time we talk, basically. Uh, I asked you about it uh, a bit some, from time to time. I still don't really understand what's happening there. Um, but, and I'm going to tell you all I know about this. But so the topic is Burning Man, basically. Or do you, is that? So I'm going to tell you about uh, what I know about Burning Man, and then you tell me a story that completely uh, contradicts everything I know. Okay, sounds good. I like that. I like this idea. I th so um, I have no idea about Burning Man. I know it's in the desert, right? It is. I, I have no idea which desert. I think it's somewhere. It sounds like Nevada. Uh, is it it's, in Nevada? It's in the Black Rock. It's northern Nevada, oh, yeah. okay, northwestern so, so Nevada. Technically the, the Black Rock, High Rock Desert, which is not a desert As you might know it, it's an alkaline lake, dried lake bed. I have no idea what that means. Um, and there's, I don't know how many people go there. I assume it's uh, many ten thousands. And that's about it. And it's, uh, I would say it's a week long. There's probably music. And there's art. So much that I learned. It's it's does have an art component to it. So that is it. And you talk about it all the time. And uh, you and um, I mean, if you're if you live in on the internet, then you have heard of Burning Man because all the cool people go there. Um, at least that's what you read on the internet. So what are the things that you do there? Now, you wanted to, t to tell me a story, so tell me a story. Well, I the things that I do there, I, I used to go, when I went back in my first incarnation of Burning Man, I, I used to deliver the mail. I was a mailman. That Black Rock City, uh, the city that Burning Man, the project, builds and where the event takes place... Uh, has a functioning postal system. It, like any other city, has needs for delivery of parcels, delivery of postcards. Uh, people like to send mail from Black Rock City, just like you can send mail from, uh, from an event. The Chaos Post actually was, is a direct descendant of the Black Rock City Post Office. And what I did there in that time is I went to go deliver the mail. That's how I experienced Burning Man. I didn't go to parties. I didn't wander around from bar to bar. I didn't ride around on art cars. I had a bike. In the morning, I would drive into Gerlach, the city. The Well, not city. It's a, it's a little town, but it's the closest outpost of civilization to Black Rock City. A uh, population of a few hundred I think, at best. Um, and get the mail from the U.S. post office there, drop off the mail that people were delivering, and go about delivering mail all throughout Black Rock City. I'd get, I could go into any camp, into any outpost, into basically any, 
any area of the city. And when people are like, what are you doing here? It's like, oh, Black Rock City Post Office, I have a postcard for blah. And it was <laughs> the most, it was how I chose to experience that event because I would wander into the weirdest situations. I would get to meet or have things for the most popular people in any camp because, of course, the most popular people are the ones that are going to be writing postcards and receiving postcards or things. The people who receive and interact with the post office um, are usually people who are pretty popular, creative, or well-regarded, all three usually in their particular campsites. And because I got around so much, people recognized me. I would be walking around later at night when there was no mail to deliver or when it wasn't a really good time to deliver mail. Because usually right maybe 45 or so minutes after sunset, that's when people go out to party. So they're not really in their campsites. It's not uh, a great time to deliver mail. And when I went out to party or hang out, wander around, look at the sites with other people, people would recognize me and say, oh, that's my mailman. Um, and a lot of the older school burners that camp out in the quote unquote suburbs, because Burning Man is a, it, whereas a normal city might be a grid where you have, you know, horizontal, you know, streets that run northwest, streets that run, um, or I'm sorry, streets that run north-south, streets that run east-west in a grid pattern. Burning Black Rock City is a semicircle. It's a little bit more than a semicircle. Imagine mm -hmm. a clock face. Uh, and the edges of the city on this wheel are where are two o'clock and ten o'clock. And so imagine mm -hmm. a clock face where um, and the man, basically the, the man that gets burned, the reason it's called burning man, is the center of this clock face. Mm -hmm. And so right about halfway between the center of the clock and where the numbers start on a usual clock, that's where the city starts. And then that street is a ring that goes from 10 or from two o'clock all the way around to 10 o'clock in a circle. And then from there, concentric circles go out. And so Esplanade is the edge of the city and what they call open playa. And then behind that, it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc. going out that mm -hmm. way. And then the streets that cross those streets that are straight lines that radiate out from the man are based on clock positions. So two o'clock is the edge of the city, 10 o'clock is the edge of the city, and then successively you go, you know, 2.15, 2.30, 2.45, o'clock, so on and so forth. Obviously the big avenues, as it were, are three o'clock, nine o'clock, and six o'clock. And those three uh, radials go out directly to the man. So if you're at, say, 6 o'clock in G, G being the uh, <clears throat> a street that is A, B, A, B, or Esplanade, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, seven streets back from Esplanade, you can see the man, and you can see the temple, and the temple is behind the man. Um, and then there are these long, they have spires that go out from where Esplanade starts around Esplanade and then from along the three, six and nine radials to the man. 
That's the basic layout of Black Rock City. It's very hard to describe. You have to see it. But once you see it and once you get it, it's you understand it. And it's a very good system for using it that you can just say, oh, I'm at 630 and J. Okay, that's a street corner. But when you're when you're saying like, oh, you're on J between, say, 630 and 615, you can say 620. Mm-hmm. And so that way that you know, if you go from 615 towards 630, you're, you'll eventually you'll hit 620. And then there's an even further saying, is it man side or mountainside? Obviously, man is the side that's towards the center of the city where the man is, and mountainside is the opposite. And so I would go all around the city delivering mail on a bike. And I'd have packages. And and sometimes, just like in any other situation like we know right now, some of those deliveries are really critical. You could have a gigantic flaming art piece that hinges on whether or not you'll have a particular part that you might have gotten the wrong one of when you packed up everything out there or just completely forgotten. You could have it delivered through the mail or send somebody all the way out into Reno and have them wait in line again, coming all the way back for that part, when it would be much easier, obviously, to order that part, have it delivered to Gerlach, have me go to Gerlach, pick it up along with all the other mail, and then deliver it right to your camp so that your people can go about doing what they do. That's why post offices are an essential part of how the city functions. And that's what I did. That was what I did in my first incarnation at Burning Man. Then I had an accident, decided not to go back was recovering from that accident for a while. That's when I got all the postcards from uh, the Congress. I think that was the, th- I forget which C3 it was, but I got a whole bunch of post, and I'm still going through them. There, I have thousands of postcards that ended up in my post office box in New York City. Um, and then the Mexico City earthquake happened, and we talked about that in our first episode. A lot of the things that I used there were sponsored and supplied by Burners Without Borders, the humanitarian community service outreach arm of the Burning Man project. Uh, And I think it was almost a year ago that they had their first gathering out at Fly Ranch. And they said, hey, Nick, come to this gathering of Burners Without Borders where we're going to talk about the future, and we'd like to hear about your experiences in Mexico City. Stop me if I've told this story on the podcast before, but I hadn't been to Gerlach in five or six years. They invite me to this gathering out at Fly Ranch in May of last year, and I get there. On time, because you don't want to, when you're out in an event that's away from infrastructure, you don't want to show up too early to put too much pressure on the people building the infrastructure, but you don't want to show up late. You want to show up on time so that you're there. And if you're in a position to help, you can help. So I show up on time and I get there and I say, Hey, is there, I don't know anybody. I know one person here, KK, like the original OG. He's been a friend of mine for 30, not 30 between 20 and 30 years at this point, probably closer to 20 than 30, but a long time because we're old. I get I get there, I check in, I say hi. They're like, oh, hey, cool, you know, great to meet you. I said, is there anything that I can do to help? I like to be helpful. Is there something I can do to help? I'm joining this community, so I want to bring the gift of 
my talent and skills if I can do that. And they say, yeah, actually, we we need rebar um, for this tent, for this pole tent. Did I tell you this story? You did, but keep going. Was it on the podcast or did I just tell you? No, I'm pretty sure it was on the podcast. You're pretty sure? Okay. Well, then we'll just have to put in the show notes, which... I'll have to figure out which podcast I told it on. Okay, I'll, I'll, abbrevi- I'll abbreviate the story. Um, it's a good story. So I, I get there, and they, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. They're, I, I wander over to where they told me to go. I see they're putting up a pole tent, which is a really big tent, like a circus tent is what you think of as a pole tent. Uh it's a rather large it's a it's a not a tent for people to live in but a tent where you can have 100 150 people gather underneath it and in order to properly secure it to the ground you need big stakes and these are made of you know of the same kind of metallic material that you reinforce concrete with call it rebar and so i'm thinking oh they they were just missing two or three you know, little sections of rebar to pound it in. They didn't have any. Now, if it was one or two sticks of rebar, I could have gone right up to the work ranch, was just, you know, a couple miles up the road, wandered around the grounds for a little bit and, you know, found a couple of sections of rebar that nobody cared about, drove back and and helped them out. No, they had nothing. And so I think, hmm. Now, I don't have any sources of rebar. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been to Gerlach in years. Drive back into town, go to the only only bar slash restaurant in town, which is called uh, Bruno's, and walk in there, order hamburger, start you know start chatting up one of the locals whose name is Farmer, who I kind of recognized from back in the day. It's a small town. It's a very small town. If you spend more than if you're there. More than four or five times a year, and you make an effort to try to get to know people and to try to talk and just just to be friendly. And you don't look like a like an outsider. Now I walked in in work overalls and and work in steel toed work boots and a sun hat, so they probably assumed I was a truck driver of some kind. I had that truck driver look going on. Now, of course, if if I wander in there in assless chaps. And, you know, and a leather vest and nothing else, which is Burning Man. Like, that's, come on, that's that's, that's not uncommon. It's much more common to see a guy in assless chaps and a leather vest with a whip wearing nothing else than it is to see somebody in insulated, to see somebody in Carhartts at Burning Man. Because it's a fest, it's, well, it's not a festival. It's an event in the desert. And I get to talking to people and I get to talking to farmers and say, hey, farmer, do you know where I could find a couple of sticks of rebar? Now, sticks of rebar are 10-foot sections. So imagine something along the lines of a three – somewhere, you know, like a three-ish meter, a little longer than a three-ish meter mm-hmm. section of this rebar material. And I say, do you know where I could get a couple sticks of this? And he says, yeah, I know. Walks out the back of the bar. I'm like, okay. Comes back 10 minutes later with a, just the pile of sticks of rebar out back, out the back door of the bar. And I said, where where did you, Farmer, where'd you get these? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. How much? And I said, well, how much do you think they're worth? He said, we, we, I give him 20 bucks, something like that. And, and then I say, hey, do you know where I can get these things cut? 
And he's like, well, ask that guy who's walking over here. So I walk up to this guy and I said, hey, do you know, uh, would you have the time to cut up some sticks of rebar for me for steaks? And he, the guy looks at me and he says, does this have to happen now? I said, no, it can wait. He's like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll get back with you later. Walk back to the bar, talk to farmer, say, hey, farmer, who is that? He said, that's Willie. Willie is the guy that runs Gerlach. Willie owns the gas station. Willie owns Bruno's. Willie owns the yard where the storage yard where I had stored my trailers, where I had bought containers from him, sold containers to him. I had been doing business with Willie out there the whole time I was involved in Burning Man. Never met him. I sent him checks. He sent me checks. We, you know, I always wanted to meet him, but I never actually met him because he's a busy guy, especially during event season. And then I think Willie eventually figured out who I was somehow, some way, because not 10 minutes later, the bartender, bartender slash waitress that time, she's like, hey, are you Nick? And I said, yeah, I am. He said, oh, yeah, Willie said that you could just go over to his uh, Quonset hut and chop up those those rebar sticks yourself. He's already got the chop saw set up for you. I said, okay, great. And so I'm walking through this small Western town with with rebar in my hands, just like these long, can you imagine, a three-meter sticks of, of metallic dowel walking through the streets of this small Western town in my overalls like there's nothing going on. You know, chop them up in his, uh, chop them up in the chop saw, throw them in my van. I have to wait for them to cool off. Like basically I, so after you chop up metal it's very hot at the end mm-hmm. and so i pounded them into the ground to cool them off left them in the shop walked back grabbed my van drove my van over the quonset hut threw the rebar in the back of the van drove back to burning man and i've been gone for maybe 90 minutes and in this 90 minutes they hadn't really registered that i had arrived or left they were just like oh some guy showed up and he said he was going to fix it so they're still calling their friends in reno they're still trying to figure out where can we get this rebar because without it we're not going to be able to put up this pole tent. And then I show up with the van and I, you know, I'm pulling these, these tent stake long sections of rebar out of the van, walk over to them. And they're looking at me, they're going, who are you? And from that moment forward, I was running logistics for the camp for the hundred or so people that showed up there. The people that run fly ranch, we were having the event, got to know me and they said, Oh, this guy knows how to fix stuff. He knows what he's doing. He's, they gave me a radio and all that other stuff. And by the time the event started to wind down, they said, hey, Nick, are you coming to join us at Burning Man? I said, no, I haven't gone to Burning Man in years. I, I'm not. That's not really my scene anymore. You know, blah, blah, blah. And eventually they got me to go to Burning Man. And so I, and I camped, went back to Burning Man, camped with Burners Without Borders, was there for Build Week. Because the way the event works, the week before the event is Build Week, mm-hmm. then the event happens. And then after the event, uh, there's teardown. It's not really a week. You know, I think I left, I arrived there on Monday of build week. The event started on a, I don't never actually remember when the event starts. You can arrive midnight the following Sunday. That's when the event officially starts. And then you're supposed to be gone by Monday. So basically the height of the event, Friday night is when the, is it Friday night or Saturday night? I don't even remember. The days just mix. I have to look this up out there. But anyway, that's what I, 
And then I, I did a lot of stuff at this Burning Man. When I was running the post office, I used to say, I'm playing Adventure Time Burning Man for very low stakes. Adventure Time Burning Man meaning, meaning I was not there to go to dance parties and to look at art and to ride around on a bike and to meet people and be fashionable and do what you do at Burning Man. I was there to work, but, you know, unless you are, to give you an example, everybody's supposed to take out their own trash. You know, you, you, everything you bring in, you pack it in, you pack it out. That's leave no trace. That's one of the ethos of Burning Man. However, if you're part of the event production, if you're paid to be there or you're working for the people who are bringing the festival on, um, you can rely on certain festival infrastructure like the TSA, which is it's a pun on the US TSA. It's called the trans it means the transfer station authority, transfer stations being where trash is sorted and moves out and different things like that. And oh, you're now just getting it? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's anyway. Uh, your podcast hosting skills as one of them, you should probably interrupt me every so often, even though, I'm, I'm, even though I'm, I know I'm, this is your Saturday night and you're enjoying it. Uh, yes, I am. Um, I, I um, no, I'm enjoying listening to you. Um, I enjoy uh, watching um, the audio pop up in this audio program. And uh, I do miss the drink that I, that's now empty. Um, but uh, keep going, please. So there are people whose job it is to sort trash. Now, everybody volunteers for a little bit there. I, there is a, a big spirit of volunteering at Burning Man. And you, you come and you help sort your own trash. But there are people whose actual job it is to sort the trash. But people enjoy it. People love the fact that they get to go to Burning Man, and even mm. though their job is sorting trash, they enjoy everything afterwards. So there, so there's there's work, work, and then there's the kind of work that I call Adventure Time Burning Man. Mm -hmm. So this particular Burning Man, I I would I just walked in. You know, I was just a, a volunteer camper builder. My job was supposed to be the power lead for the Burners Without Borders camp, and that's the thing is that it's. The camps there are called theme camps. If you actually apply to be a theme camp and you get placed uh, in the city, you're a registered theme camp. And then every registered theme camp is supposed to have some element of interactivity. So whereas most theme camps run bars, some theme camps have... You, you were going to ask a question? <laughs> so a theme camp would be you know the equivalent at the congress would be an assembly yes exactly mm -hmm. precisely and of course there are villages so just like there are villages in uh like the chaos west village yeah. and other than that which are bigger assemblies made up of smaller little assemblies um and so yeah it very much works like that It's it's very similar the way the two events kind of run where most of the event most of Burning Man is put on by the people who bring things to it. I, the the difference between the congresses and 
the the chaos the the Burning Man and the Chaos events are that obviously there are big stages where they have big programs and those are all run by the organization that puts on the event. Mm-hmm. That's true. But most of the magic of the C3s are all of the things that people come together to plan and bring. Yeah. Burning Man works on a similar principle. And just like you have lots of little opportunities to interact with things happening in assemblies, the same it's it works the exact same way at Burning Man. So Burners Without Borders is a little bit different because that's a project of the organization. It's the organization's community outreach arm. So it's it's sort of like um, I'm going to mispronounce it, but Dottenschuler, for example, like it, that's something that the CCC does, right? The Dottenschleuder. Dottenschleuder. Okay. See, so I knew that's, I was gonna mispronounce that's the it. magazine that the, magazine, the CCC exactly. puts out. Okay. Right. Exactly. So the, the club puts out the magazine. So Burners Without Borders is part of the organization. It's its own entity within the organization, mm-hmm. but it's it's part of the organization. And so that's, so we're a staff theme camp. We're not working. We're not like the department of public works in the sense that they're people whose job it is to build the city or job. It is like gate perimeter nexus, whose job it is to keep people out of the city to check tickets and to manage the flow of cars into and out of the city. Burners without borders works throughout the year. So it's, it's an interesting hybrid of all of the things of staff theme. So that's why we call it a staff theme camp. And my job was to run power. Now, my goal with this was to measure the power usage of the camp and figure out how we could make the transition to all renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And if we had a generator and we had people who came in with RVs and we had people that had various different power needs, people that brought kids or people that, um, had chronic fatigue syndrome and needed to be in air conditioning, things like that. And while I thought my job was supposed to be just measuring the power and doing things like that, it turns out I ended up having to babysit this generator that was way less than what we actually needed and ended up solving a lot of other problems for the camp and was running around putting out fires being the person who could fix things that really nobody else could fix because everybody else had a job and everybody else was very well invested in their job and people, you know, wanted to do their job, but then go have fun, then enjoy Burning Man. My tagline is my party is making sure that you have a good party from the time that I wake up, usually with the sun. To the time that I pass out, which is usually around four or five o'clock in the morning when the music dies down or when I simply just pass out, there there were some days where I would just go take a nap in a hammock and that would be my sleep for the day, the two hours. I would tell people, hey, wake me up, but then they wouldn't wake me up. That's what I call Adventure Time Burning Man. Now, one of the people in our camp who happened to be somewhat important gave me a radio and he said this stay on this channel on this radio in case i need you to come back and make sure that the power works in my tent 
And so I had a radio and my whole job was just to listen to the radio to make sure if the power went out in his tent, I had to rush back to the camp or rush back to the generator, make sure that, you know, the power was working. And of course, I had to rebalance the power at night, watch to make sure that it was working. And I, and I ended up doing a lot of different things. Another one of the things that we did was helping out art projects one of the big things about Burning Man, that that space that's in the middle and that space that's outside of the city is called Deep Playa. That's where big, gigantic art cars, the gigantic sound systems will, you know, play really loud music in the middle of the night and that people come and dance to and party, yada, yada. And there's a lot of art out there. Tons and tons and tons of art. People will bring literal a lot of tons of art. Literal tons of art. Yeah most of which gets set on fire. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not even kidding you. They'll have gigantic beautiful sculptures and they'll just set it on fire. They'll set all of this stuff on fire. It's great. And a lot of people with art projects, we you know the of course the bigger art projects they had big dedicated staffs and they had these things called honorariums which meant that they were supported partially by the organization to be big art. Most of who we were helping were smaller little projects. I'd have guys that would have this LED booth. An example, like an LED booth being powered by a gas-powered generator. And then when I measured it with my amp clamp, that's the other thing is I I always had what's called an amp clamp on, on my sure. um, overalls. And so when I'm walking around the city, people automatically think I'm an electrician. <laughs> and the other thing was I ended up driving a DPW van because that's what DPW, like the crappiest van that, that would still drive. Like only one headlight worked. Um, we had to clean out the air filter daily, like pull it, pull it, the engine air filter out, knock the dust off of it, then put it back in um, and do all these things like that. It, it was, it, it barely, like it would stall out. And then we'd have to, I'd have to work on the engine, prime it to make it come back to life again, um, which is not something that you do with a normal vehicle these days. I don't think people even realize what a stalling car is. Anyway, so I drove around this DPW van and there would be times when people would think I was DPW and they'd need help and I'd go help them. Okay. What is DPW? Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Yeah. The Department of Public Works. They're All the people right. that build the city. Yeah. Okay. And the people that manage various different things of the city. They're they're like the their event production. They're they're the roadies of the event, basically. But they're also building a city in the middle of nowhere, taking it all down and returning the place where the event happens to a state usually better than what they found it as. Hmm. And so that's what DPW is at Burning Man. Uh, One second, please. <laughs> Go, go for Let it. me interrupt you. Uh, no, for sure. uh, turn down your microphone uh, a bit more. Uh, I unfortunately, for the first time ever, I think we've had some clippings. Okay. One day we're helping we're helping out art projects, and some of the people who work for the artery, as they call it, artery, come up to it, huh? Artery. 
So the bloodline artery, like it, the the pun is, they have a heart because arteries are what pump blood yes. throughout your body, arteries and veins. Anyway. Yes. And so. Oh no, bloodline. The artery, bloodline the artery, was the, the complete completely wrong word. I'm sorry. Yeah, the artery. It's the artery. Yes. The artery, as they call it, which is the, which is where, the the people who run the the Burning Man art department. And the actual, their headquarters is called the artery and people say they work for the artery. They come over to us. Now, part of the artery is an, is a unit called art support services and their acronym is ass. Nice. The people who, the people who we were working for were the people who hooked up people artists and other groups like that and we were called the ass hookers that was the first so we hook up artists for art support services the ass hookers and that was the first crew that i was patched into was the ass hookers because people would come up to us this guy who had a uh, LED, a beautiful led phone booth that could have been run off a car battery because it's a ton of leds and it only needs to work for a week like a, a deep cycle marine battery would have been fine for this art project, but he has a gigantic generator. And when it was a generator <laughs> problem, they and and basically art support services say, go to Burners Without Borders, ask for Brace. Brace will help you out. And then eventually this radio I had, they said, oh, you have a radio, switch over to art support services and switch over to that channel. And so I would get a call. Basically, it would be like, you know, uh, Brace, brace for blah. And I'd be like, go for brace. And they say, oh, yeah, an art project that's uh, 930 and 2500 feet from the man or whatever it was. Because inside Playa, there's a different, there's a slightly different um, set of coordinates because you don't have streets, you don't have landmarks. And so that they have the radial and then they say distance from the man. So that's how you know where to go. And I'd go and I'd help out these guys. Most of the time, it was a generator problem because people don't realize that internal combustion engines need air. Yeah. They would put their, they were told that they had to put their generators inside boxes to cut down on the noise and to cut down mm-hmm. on uh, the visual disruption, as it were. Because, you know, generators are loud and they're ugly. So they'd put them in boxes without air holes or the air holes would be on the wrong side. And and that's the thing is that not only do you need – does an engine need fresh air? It needs exhaust. And people didn't know because on these little generator these, – these tiny little generators, they're about the size of a bucket basically. Okay. People don't know where the air intake and where the exhaust is on these things. So they don't know where to put the air holes in their boxes that are covering these things. And this was just kind of basic. It was one of those things where I'd say, when I take it out of the box, it's humming. But when I put it in the box, something breaks. And so I basically put my hand over where the air intake is. And I said, let's just wait for 45 seconds. And then the engine stalls out because it starves for air. And I said, that's where the air intake is. And obviously, I wouldn't put my hand on the exhaust because that you don't want to do that. But I'd say that's the air intake. That's the exhaust. You have to put your you have to drill holes into your box. And I'd have pictures on my cell phone of other boxes. And that was one of the problems I'd solve. So 
at some point, one of the bosses, who's a very, very... Uh, how do I put this correctly? Very flamboyant in a lovely way, comes over to Burners Without Borders and he says, and he says, I'm looking for Brace. I would like to find Brace. Are you Brace? Oh, Brace, thank you so much for all the work you are doing for our support services. I like, I'm not doing his accent well, but I'm, I'm trying to produce the effect. And so he says, well, he sounds French. It, he says the head, he's not French, but I'm doing the accent anyway. It, it's better. I probably don't make it obvious who this person is, but anyway, he says, oh, the head maze. You need to go to the head maze and shut them down. You need to, this is Tuesday of the event. They're not done. They are done. You go, you go, you, 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 you shut them down. And I'm like, oh, okay, sure. What I didn't realize was that he wasn't actually being serious. I don't actually have the authority to shut down any art project. I don't actually have, like nobody does really. I mean, theoretically, there is somebody at the event that can pull a plug. The, car, the guy who's, who's, he's a, the Black Rock City Safety Department is appropriately run by a guy whose name is Carlos Danger. <laughs> of course, right? Of course, the of Black course, Rock City yeah. Safety Department is going to be run by Carlos Danger. Carlos Danger didn't give them like he they there was a lot of negotiation to get them to open this art project called the Head Maze, which is the most epic thing I've ever seen out at Burning Man. And I think anybody who actually saw it, who got a chance to go in it, who had the chance to experience it, would probably agree. I mean, this is a they're basically trying to build something like Meow Wolf, an interactive, like an actual interactive immersive experience in the middle of nowhere that has a big thematic story and a history behind it. And it's a three story sculpture that you walk into where every 10 meter, well, that's a little bit bigger. Um, well, some of the rooms were bigger. Like it's a bit, it was pretty big. I'm trying to find an appropriate analogy for describing how big it is, but it's, it was three stories tall. There were, it was a literal maze. It was a three dimensional maze mm-hmm. every time i took somebody who hadn't been in it before all if we went 20 meters through it they were already confused as to where they were in space <laughs> it's a masterpiece now grant now here's the other part it was not finished <laughs> it was not done can you imagine a maze that is actually incomplete so you have people that are trying, and there, it had four entrances. You had people trying to go into and out of it. They didn't know which things you could actually open or break. It was a, it was beautiful. It was the most. It was. It had generated the longest lines on Playa. The lines for this thing, when it was open, were longer than the Orgy Dome. Do I want to ask about the Orgy Dome? It is what, except for the fact that it's not a dome, 
it's where an orgy is happening. Okay. It's the leg- it's the legendary orgy at Burning Man. Like people know about like the orgy dome is what people write about when they think about Burning Man. And it's okay, it's it's a big room where an or- where an orgy is always happening. Okay. It is it the only thing that's not it's not a dome. <laughs> that's I don't know why they call it a dome, but it's not a dome. You, anyway. So the head maze. They hadn't finished Tuesday of event. No, most art projects are done by Friday or Saturday before the event opens up. Not before the event opens up, but they, most of them are done before the event actually starts. We're already two days into the event and they have not finished setting up yet. And my job, I thought, was to go out there and help them finish getting wrapped up. And so I brought two guys out there. We go out there. They've been told they're done. They have to pack up their construction zone and then move it to somewhere else. And part of my job was facilitating that because Art Support Services stops work at night because they want to go out and have fun like everybody else. But remember, I'm playing Adventure Time Burning Man. (laughs) This is my fun. Going in the middle of the night and helping people through the middle of the night get all of their stuff set, you know, get all of their stuff squared away, calling in favors from various different people in the DPW that I've been building up throughout Build Week to try to get these guys all packed up and off playa. I gave them my van. They didn't have a van, a vehicle to ferry stuff back and forth between their camp and where their art project was. And their art project was way out in deep playa Mm. it was way out there it was beautiful but they needed some transportation for getting things like that i had to call on the radio because none of them had an event radio i had an event radio i could call in various different things i had to call two of the people i went in there were trenching because any cables you run across have to be trenched into the ground and trenching on playa has to happen a certain way they were trenching cables. They were setting different things up. I was working on their generator because every 30 minutes it would die. And so I'd have to go back to the generator say, okay, what's wrong? Punch through the computer, look through all the different things, you know, clean the filter that needed to be cleaned, plug it back in there, do whatever to try to get this thing up and running so that it stayed lit. Because that's another thing. When it When the generator died, the lights died. And when the lights died, you had this you know, 30 meter cube out in the middle of nowhere that you couldn't see that you could run into with an art car because it wasn't lit. And this became my problem. Uh, So I go in there and I'm working through the night to get the thing shut down. Right. Okay. And then it gets shut down and then every, and so I go back to the artery after, I didn't really tell this story that well of like all of the weird things that happened. I have to think about that. I have to practice it. Um, And listen to this. I'll I'll leave, how about, how about we'll leave head maze part two (laughs) when the cops got called to shut it down and how I was responsible for that (laughs) as the teaser for the next episode. How about that? Because you're you're fading. You got to go to sleep. (laughs) That sounds very, very good. Okay. All right. Um, it just because I'm I, I won't be able to sleep. Oh yeah, I, I'll be able to sleep anyways. But um, you asked me about questions. I do have questions. I know how the Congress is all. It's it's it happens 
all voluntary. Every nobody gets, uh, I guess, almost nobody gets paid to organize and do the congress. Burning Man sounds like something where uh, I don't know. Is that all voluntary work, or is this an organization? I mean, it's it's, it's not it's, all volunteer. Yeah. No. So who pays for? That's impossible. It. And and I, I say, so just let me put it to you this way. There's no infrastructure. There's nothing. If you were to go out to where uh, Burning Man usually takes place, you'd find nothing out there. It's a desert lake bed. It's a place where people test jet-powered cars to try to set a new land speed record. There's nothing out there. It's a flat, hostile terrain where nothing grows. The chaos events happen inside of a structure. And there are people who work for that structure that get paid through the ticket revenue for the events. Yes. There's things that are rented and people that provide tables and chairs and drive trucks and do all these different things like that because setting up events is their profession. Those people get paid through ticket revenue for the chaos events. Mm -hmm. In the event of Burning Man, whereas the house, the venue would provide these things and the venue has maintenance costs and infrastructure costs and they're still paying in effect for the people that built the venue originally long before the chaos events happened. Those are the kinds of the people who do those functions at a chaos event are the people who get paid at Burning Man. Okay. So it's, and of course, it's not that different. That's what you're saying. It's not that different, no. Okay. But it's, and I think if you were to apply the 10 principles of Burning Man, they would map very closely to the chaos events. The other thing is a lot of people say the Fusion Festival is analogous to Burning Man in, its, in terms of its ethos. Um, Burning Man is definitely its own thing and its own culture. And I encourage people to look at the 10 principles of Burning Man, uh, which I can put in the show notes. But as far as the Headmaze story, I really have to think about how I want to tell this story in a way that's more compelling, in a way that's rehearsed. That was my goal. Cause I do want to be on accuracy third. I want to go on accuracy third and tell this story, but I don't want to rant on edge. I have to practice the story a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Well, that's what we're doing here. Uh, um, we're not gonna go to the uh, to our uh, to, to to questions that Don asked. I'm sorry, Don, because I need to go we'll to bed. We'll do the next episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll put out one another of, one call for next, questions. Yeah, um, but let us because we'll see when we record next time. And we did agree on a few special episodes. Um, that we're gonna do um, we usually don't talk about current events but we may start so we want to start uh, doing that in the next few weeks uh, because we do have uh, and I want to talk about Mexico City again and we're gonna do that we'll figure out 
when we're going to do that, if the both of us uh, are going to do that, and who we're going to talk to. Well, we have friends in Mexico City. We're going to talk to them uh, about current events. And so don't be surprised if it's not always the two of us. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to to talking out to our friends, and talking about their situation and compare it to our situations and uh, see what happens in the next <laughs> weeks and months. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's another teaser along with the uh, part two of the head maze story. Yeah, uh, for sure. All right, that was fun. Alrighty. Nick, that was fun. You are a good storyteller, but okay. uh, every good storyteller needs to practice. That's fine. Exactly, yeah. I need mm. to, to get the part, because there's so much to the story. Yeah. I have to get it more. I have to bring it in tighter a little bit. Well, you will. All right. Alrighty. So um, when, when did you want to do this again? I know you're busy. You're back to work next week. I'm not busy. I I finally okay. have. I can finally work from home all week. And I well, it will keep going for for at least a few weeks, maybe a few months. So I'm mm -hmm. I'm happy. Totally fine with the yep. situation right now. Awesome. So, uh, I'm here. Ooh, I got a postcard. Did you? What is this? Did the, you, what is the Divac? Divac? I have no idea. It's some chaos event. No, probably. Um, did mm -hmm. you ever get? So now it's uh, the mid-April. Did you get post from the Chaos Post from the last Congress? I thought I did. Why? Yeah, because I What sent was I you. Supposed to get? I, I sent you a package. I didn't get a package. Well, a large envelope. No. Hmm. Small one. Um, I got a couple postcards, but not a envelope. No. Why? Well, maybe, maybe you're gonna get it next year. I, I have no idea. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I've, I'll I've, get it eventually. I've tried to send you these things now uh, twice. We'll see when they arrive. It'll get. They'll, they'll get here eventually. I'm yeah. sure. Alrighty. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, have a good Saturday? Yeah, Saturday, rest of Saturday. I gotta go do some work, but uh, you do that. that's about it. And I'm gonna Alrighty. go to bed. See you soon. Okay, have fun, sleep well. See you.